0: Make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And with that, let's continue with your show.
1: In today's world, where new problems are lurking around every corner, design thinking has become necessary. It's not just about solving a problem, but about creating integrated and impactful experiences that are inclusive and meaningful for all the stakeholders. It helps find simple yet innovative solutions depending on the user's contexts while ensuring its usability. So how can designers practice design thinking to create minimalistic yet impactful experiences? To know more about this theme, in this episode, we interact with Debayan Mukherjee. General Manager User Experience Design at Samsung Electronics. With two decades of work experience in design-centric roles, he holds expertise in user experience design, user interface design, and interaction design. And that's why on our journey of discovering designeering, we talk to him about creating future of design. Hello Debayan and welcome to Avantika Designeering Podcast Series. It's an honor and pleasure to host you on our show today.
2: Hello. Yeah, it's a pleasure this side as well.
1: Super. So, Debayan, as our ice-breaking question, we all understand how the craft of design touches every part of our lives. Everyone has a different approach to problem-solving and designing solutions. The question that I have for you as an icebreaker, how can designers develop The ability to approach complex challenges and simple yet innovative solutions.
2: Okay. Um, So, well, design thinking in itself is the answer to defining problems, Um, not just correctly, but also strategically, with the designer immersing uh, completely into the user's life and problems alongside. Deeply understanding business scenarios and technological landscapes, uh, using them as enablers, and uh, internalizing all of the processed data to an extent that any level of complexity of problem space can be very simply and effectively framed um, to efficiently approach uh, a design solution. Uh, So, the key here is to understand and Learn and continuously practice user centric design processes and design thinking approaches to run it correctly. And that's the only way of arriving at a meaningful solution. When I say meaningful, it's like meaningful to the user, meaningful to the customer or consumer, whichever way it is, while also staying meaningful and beneficial to the business and uh, your stakeholders, of course.
1: Well, well, said and um, absolutely important. In fact, while we launched our uh, show with uh, Tim Kobe last week and, uh, you know, we, we also spoke about the uh, passion in which you go out and actually, uh, you know, create value for the customer and how it actually makes a difference to them, which, which changes uh, the entire definition of success uh, of a product itself. So absolutely uh, well uh, put there. So, moving from that icebreaker, Devay, into uh, your journey, you have an experience of close to two decades in the user experience domain, from architecture to consumer goods to smartphones. We are excited to hear about your design journey. Can you take us through your professional journey?
2: Yeah. So, um, well, these days it's quite uh, commonplace, but. At that time, in you know the time I hail from, uh, this sort of journey was quite unusual. Um, that was the time for engineers and doctors to evolve. Uh, it still is, but designers were probably only a bunch of fashion designers. And architecture, on the other hand, meant serious business. It was meant for a creative few with uh, a sense of scale to become hardcore architects. Uh, run forms, run site to site, with blueprints tucked in the underarms, and not really for transforming into other fields of design like product design and UX design and such. So it was therefore sort of unusual for for my boss. I was working in Delhi uh, with a with a corporate architecture firm for about two years, and also for my dad, who painstakingly grew me into an architect. But I, I wanted to explore and not settle yet, explore the wild world of design. So I sort of broke free and took a leap of faith uh, after practicing architecture for a couple of years, went to NID to study product design and then worked with Gillette in Delhi and Intel in Bangalore. Then found myself hired by a mobile service provider in Hyderabad working with mobile carrier giants like Airtel and Verizon um, on their consumer portals and B2B products. And then landed up in Samsung when Samsung Bangalore R&D decided to set up an in-house UX team back in 2009. Uh, We were a team of the famous first five that grew to 80 designers over the last 12 years of me being here and is still Every day, you know, feels like the journey has just begun with so much energy, so much talent in the midst of cutting edge technology, continuously making a difference to consumers' lives, making meaningful innovations, unique inventions. So, yeah, that's sort of wrapping it all up, summarizing my close to two decades and two minutes.
1: <laughs> super i I think that was a quick capsule i I just have one question here. How has you know your journey uh of exposure in architecture helped you uh today in uh the user experience design that you 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 are building with your current organization
2: so um it's kind of design at the end of it um architecture kind of brings a different scale to the mind Um, when I started architecture studying architecture practicing architecture I didn't think about uh, you know product design but when I came to product design I realized the the same design principles the same design methodology the same um, you know structure works in all forms of design in product design and UX design just the scale keeps changing like you would be thinking in a much more bigger a macro scale when you think of architecture or space design. But when it comes to product design, it kind of the scale a lot of times shrinks to a really micro scale. So if your mind is able to kind of shuttle between those two scales, you kind of exercise your mind to kind of think irrespective of scale. Uh, I think it's possible to kind of have a holistic understanding around design with a problem in the center, with the user in the center, And, you know, the main job kind of commonly being defining the problem and then kind of developing a solution, you know, co-working with people around you.
1: Super. Well said in terms of actually connecting the dots in the real life. In fact, uh, uh, the buy-in as design is a very subjective field. Leading a team of designers isn't very easy. With everyone having their own opinions and, and and you just mentioned about the large team uh, that, that you are a part of. How do you ensure that there aren't any coordination failures between the teams so that you can deliver the projects on time?
2: So, uh, yeah, so that's why, uh, like I said, we have a design process. Uh, your question is not just relevant to designers only uh, who come with different opinions. Uh, going forward it's going to be relevant to stakeholders like engineers and product managers and business teams in a corporate or you know business scenario who come together as a team on a project with various opinions expectations and requirements so the question is or the question should be uh, how do you align them to a common goal and vision and collaboratively drive a result well, let's imagine you are the design manager or you are the design sprint master you can do it it's your role uh, as a sprint master um, you know you're a coach uh, you facilitate and you identify the design challenge for the sprint bring a team together uh, you take them along through all the sprint stages select the key challenge and progressive deliverables for the team and You are responsible for keeping it continuously relevant, inspiring, and focused. Uh, You you would have to work with everyone. Use the team's energy to evangelize the design process, bring participation and accountability. Uh, You have to work with data to make sense of um, how things shape up at every stage. And that's how you drive the team through an iterative process to arrive at an agreeable and meaningful result. Uh, that by the end of it is already bought into and shared amongst your coworkers.
1: Absolutely relevant, I think. Uh, as you rightly put it down, uh, you know, the 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 way you actually uh, work in teams uh, and across domains, whether you part of the design team or the product development, the engineering team, I think uh, this is completely relevant to all of them. In fact, moving uh, from, from that thought, they buy into my next one, which is designers come from a different starting point. They have years of experience with designing, so their brains are trained and wired to these skills, mindsets, and say tools. The question that I have is, what are some of the ways through which designers can unlearn and learn new skills to benefit from the power of design thinking completely i mean let's take a cue today in the world of user experience design it's so dynamic i mean it, it's it's changing um, every few weeks every few days and uh, you know there's so much of unlearning which is required and learning with these new tools so 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 how 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 does one manage it
2: so yeah again extremely relevant and very good question uh, so I have a slightly different take to it. Like, um, I know uh, the this buzzword of unlearn has been around for a while. Like when I was in design school, uh, we heard this the first time that, hey, you're from architecture, you have to unlearn first, okay? And then you become a product designer. But in today's scenario, you know, does it really make sense anymore? With so much happening, so many uh, different kinds of designers. Doing so many different things in sequence, sometimes in parallel, multitasking between a GUI piece and an artwork or from a space design to an illustration. Uh, also, while influencing on a social network. So we really need to kind of now kind of sit back and really think it through. Is it unlearn anymore or is it assimilate? synergize or synthesize uh, all the accumulated knowledge that you have gathered en route and orchestrate role plays to be able to be the design thinker and thought leader when and where it requires you to be so i truly believe all of the knowledge is useful at the same time to look at the problem from different perspectives and depths to understand the user and the problem space very deeply. In fact, you know, it's said these days that designers should read on subjects that they are not comfortable with. They are, you know, that are at times unrelated, like history and mathematics, for those neurons to fire to make connections and evolve and instill meaning to an otherwise non-existent, sometimes meaningless, you know, frustrating or painful. Uh, user experience. That's designers today, making you know
1: the most of the power of design thinking. Hey, did you know Samsung's upcycling solution for TV packaging received a silver award for its customizable packaging box at the world renowned International Design Excellence Award 2020? Absolutely well said. I, I, I have a twist here, Devayan, and I wish to ask you that over a period of time, has there been any one thing that has stayed with you constantly, no matter uh, the change in domain, uh, the change in area of design, but that's that's, that's something that's constant, constantly stayed with you? Any Any one such thing that you wish to highlight?
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. So, Actually, not just one, there are multiple, but since you ask me one, I'll try pri- try to prioritize one or two. Oh
1: <laughs> so- yeah, uh, feel feel <laughs> free to give us the top ones. I, I think it will add a lot of value to our listeners.
2: Yeah, so uh, one thing, of course, is the laser focus on user. Uh, you know, you as a designer, you as an architect, uh, in, you are the only, you know, user advocate in the room uh, when you're working with, uh, you know, stakeholders. So you have to be a very, very strong advocate from the user angle. You have to understand the user very, very deeply. You have to kind of understand and empathize with the problem very strongly. You have to internalize all of the data. So all the, suppose you're running a design sprint, you should be the person in the room who has the best hold of all the data that has been collected so far. All the user statements should be inside you, you know, internalized. So... That's one thing that kind of stays on, uh, I think, uh, from the point that you start uh, probably, you know, most of the times designers are artists when they start studying design. Most of the students would tell you they were like, they used to be good at drawing when they thought of becoming designers. So art is something that they were doing for themselves, but then they became a designer for the user. So that stays on. So the user focus, the problem focus, the understanding focus, and kind of the evangelization focus, right? To be able to kind of bring that essence to your team, to your product, uh, to your uh, consumer, to your stakeholders. I think that stays on.
1: Well said. And uh, completely agree in terms of, you know, how the journey over a period of time helps you to keep building on some of these skills and um, you know, keep keep delivering uh, successfully to to your clients. Absolutely, well said. In fact, moving the gear, uh, you know, from from those learning to again the world of design thinking. Um, design thinking created an opening for designers to move from the aesthetically focused space to the problem solving phase. Uh, but design is not just problem solving. I, I believe it's it's much more than that. In fact, the crux is the connection between finding the right question itself, solving it in a good way and making it look good as well. The mm-hmm. question that I have for you here, uh, Debayan, is how can designers integrate all these factors to create more impactful and meaningful experiences?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, so, um, yeah, again, extremely relevant and good question. So. Your first two points, um, finding the right question and solving in a good way, are kind of well within design thinking scope. Uh, The first one being uh, what we call understanding and defining. And the second one being uh, about diverging and deciding as per, say, Google Design Sprint principles and as per IDEO design principles; these are the inspiration and the ideation stages, respectively. Essentially, pretty much part of your design process itself. Um, but your third point, uh, making it look good, is actually very interesting. It's it's actually what we call visual design or or visual thinking or visual concepting. Uh, part of it um, should be explored during the design sprint itself. Uh, While studying visual trends around the product space, uh, the results of this study may actually influence or enable the design decision itself. Um, And part of it is explored during low to high fidelity prototyping, uh, iteratively, of course, before the product goes into production. And it's an important Thing to understand that it doesn't end there. Uh, the process is always iterative. Uh, after the first release, there could be some beta testing based on which there could be several stages of iterations and versions that the product would go through. The design keeps evolving and you know breathing and improving and continuously aligning to the consumer's day to day life going forward. And so does you know all of this, all of these three things that you mentioned.
1: Absolutely. In fact, uh, that also connects me to one more interesting element: is that while working in a product for the population with such cultural diversity, various elements such as language, imagery, design, positioning, some are building a design for the mass population, and and you've been part of organizations that have gone out and created products or masses as well how did you integrate all of these elements to create an appropriate uh, product for the mass population and what were some of the challenges which you faced while developing these products
2: yeah so um you know this understanding also is changing um the understanding that every product should reflect a localized culture or a you know product portfolio should reflect the cultural or the socio-economic diversity. Well, it may still be, you know, largely true to some extent in, you know, specific domains. But broadly, uh, what we see today is that the boundaries are blurring between local and global standards and preferences of flavors and aspirations. Even in, you know, tier threes and twos uh, you will see global aspirations, while the budget may still be quite local. And therefore the diversity, I mean, the, the di- diverse supply, uh, whether it's cars or smartphones or soaps or toothpaste, you would see global aspirations being met with um, global products or say, wannabe global products, so to say. Uh, so the mass is um, not, you know, no longer really mass the aspirations are much, much higher, you know, than us. So these aspirations need to be very cleverly understood and catered to while fitting into every pocket, of course. Your insights that come out from your research should be, you know, correct. And that's the primary challenge that can only be, you know, overcome with the thoroughness of your research and design thinking.
1: In fact, Devayan, that, that you know, uh, while while you answered my last two questions, one of one of the questions that I want to ask you is: Is there any product that you could share uh, that either you worked uh, in 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 your uh, corporate journey or uh, any other product that you see in the industry that's gone out and actually uh, nailed this in a beautiful way in terms of really understanding? Uh, the connection between the right questions, solving it in good way and making it look good, as well as uh, maybe a product which is uh, which which is for the mass population. Any any example that intrigues you, that that excites you, that you would want to share with our listeners?
2: Yeah, so uh, there are several products of that sort, like we kind of made something called, say, social camera about three or four years back. Which was essentially um, a local product, like it was based on a very, very local sentiment and, a, and an insight that we had identified from our research, uh, which was which was true for millennials uh, at that time, which which told us that millennials were kind of um, you know associating themselves with the digital immediacy. Uh, they wanted to share things immediately uh, from the camera, say as soon as you capture you need to share you know so there were actually ads on TV from other brands where you know a, a celebrity was you know capturing a selfie with a fan and immediately sharing it with her so that was the local aspiration, and we wanted to make a local product and make it a global aspiration. And kind of, we did it to some extent. Uh, We came up with a product, an interaction, and it was an invention. In fact, we patented that interaction because it was so unique. It was actually the fastest way, fastest method of sharing from the camera. So yeah, it resulted in a great experience and a great product. The consumers loved it. Um, So yeah, so there are many such examples um, in, you know, the body of work that we do
1: hey did you know Samsung, india's biggest and most trusted electronics company recently launched powering digital india its brand new vision for the country that will be driven by an exciting new citizenship program aimed at students across the nation a refreshed Local research and development strategy with special focus on the local startup community and new initiatives in manufacturing. Absolutely, I think that's a that's a very exciting uh, and interesting uh, example. And in fact, when you spoke about uh, you know the 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 global market, part, uh, you know part of it. In fact, in today's world, customers think a lot about choosing the. A right product which is enhancing their experience and adding value to their lives the question that i have is do you believe this over analysis creates difficulties in developing experiences especially when we are creating for uh, global markets
2: mm-hmm. yeah so um mm- well, I won't say it creates difficulties. Um, as a designer, I would love the challenge to identify uh, you know, the continuously changing and diverse problem space. It's challenging, of course, to cater to a consumer who is increasingly more intelligent, more observant, more knowledgeable and sensible than yesterday. And to improve his or her life today by easing his or her daily life experiences so plain gimmick uh, and you know titillating emotional experiences that probably worked yesterday won't work as well today unless uh, they are very carefully enveloped around functional advantages providing very clear value to the user to be able to you know aspire to to do more and to be more than yesterday. Um, so yeah, so it clearly uh, won't work otherwise.
1: Bob, well, you summed it up in a, in a, in a really beautiful way in, in that last line. And, and my next question to you, Debayan, comes from something which has been a trend of late and a lot of people talking about it. Uh, in fact, our uh, digital magazine uh, last issue was partially based on the theme of minimalism. Which is a timeless design concept that has been used in various eras, but much spoken about now. Um, and it is relatively new as far as design is concerned. The question that I have is how can designers develop the ability to do more with less, keeping usability and inclusivity in mind? Great question. So,
2: yeah, I will try to show you another angle of it. Um, so, I believe there have always been a balance between maximalism and minimalism when it comes to design like for example while you know in Germany in the 1920s there was Bohos and uh, Mies van der Rohe on one hand there was Art Deco in US and Neo-Gothic in England and Beaux Arts in France all around the same time yet you know at different significantly different levels of complexity and ornateness. So so that carries on. And even today, you see degrees and degrees of purposeful complexities in products strategically defined based on consumer preferences and identities, underlying philosophies that are created over years of using them. For example, when it comes to, say, uh, my domain, like smartphones, you would have seen a distinct difference in identities and philosophies between uh, say iOS and Android. In iOS, you would generally find a more minimal approach, find one way of doing one thing. But when it comes to Android, uh, it's more of maximalism where there are tons of ways of doing one thing, but that's the whole point. I mean, that's the strategy and that's the consumer understanding. So it really depends on your target audience and your strategy, your understanding of your user, who they are, what they want, what have they wanted over the years from you, how they use your product, what their aspirations are, what their goals and desires are. All of that need to be deeply understood, empathized, and internalized. And that's how an identity evolves and develops. and. Complexities, minimal approaches, usability and inclusivity uh, are decided by the designer by knowing who you're uh, designing for, who uses your product by deeply understanding your user.
1: Absolutely. In fact, from who uses your product to where, um, you know, the customer interacts with your product is where my next question comes from you the buy in companies, interact with their customers across multiple channels. So their website, social media, mobile applications, and we can keep talking about so many multiple channels out there. All these channels allow the customers, um, uh, you know, to actually experience the product and for companies to serve clients in various ways, convenient and effective and boost the brand's image and credibility as well. The question that I have for you is, how can we provide a consistent experience across channels, especially both online and offline? This also comes with one of the most magnificent creations of Samsung at Bangalore in terms of the experience store that you have. And how beautifully, um, as an organization, it's gone out and balanced uh, you know, online business and the offline business. So so how do you uh, go out there and provide this consistent experience out there?
2: Yeah, um, well, this again depends on the company's strategy and philosophy of customer interaction and communication and issue resolution. Uh, a straightforward answer to your question when it comes to interfaces is responsiveness of design how a certain interface and experience can be scaled across uh, various form factors, transformed across real estates to maintain a consistent identity and structure. But online and offline is pretty tricky. I mean, I really don't know um, if there can be any lines drawn. Uh, it may be a very challenging thing to do and you know, a very heavy investment to make, not sure how many organizations really do that, and what sort of ROI they get, you know, it needs to be studied to kind of accurately answer. But essentially, it's an important thing to do. And it's an important thing to do online for sure. And that's what One UI, for example, does for Samsung smartphones, for example. And such structural and visual policies that unify experiences and make it easier and faster and more convenient And efficient for users to use a product uh, because they do it on a day-to-day basis
1: absolutely and while we spoke in the entire conversation about a lot of blends including our last question where we were talking about the blend between offline and online as well uh, that companies strategically decide my last question for you is is also, uh, you know, on one such blended philosophy that we follow at Avantika University um, to differentiate ourselves from our peers and sister concerns, we said that today uh, an important philosophy which is relevant is a blended approach of design and engineering, and we coined a term for it called as designering. The question that I have for you, Debayan is do you think that such philosophy is need of the R and we need to train the talent to build perspective uh, in design engineering, and not necessarily only in design or only in engineering. What are your thoughts about it?
2: Mm. It's very interesting actually. It's a, it's a good concept. I would love to know more uh, really kind of deeply what it really means. Uh, sounds interesting though. Thinking from a design education point of view, uh, it might be an interesting take on teaching methodology to marry aspects of design and engineering in the classroom um, and look at it from you know, um, a product development perspective instead of uh, only focusing on the design problem or process. Um, but I mean, if I have to think about it, it can be equally challenging. I don't know how you guys make it happen. Uh, do designers learn to code or? is there an exchange model to interface with engineering college students to make you know prototypes together not sure what should be the right model at design education level uh, but as a concept it is quite interesting definitely quite interesting because it tends to prepare students for the next level of product development and possibly stakeholder interactions which typically we tend to start learning on the job or Possibly during internships. And in fact, extending that thought, it could get even more interesting if schools can think of introducing product management or program management as you know, peripheral functions or interactions during design courses to give a a truly real-life sense of how product development happens in the industry. What are the roles and responsibilities? What are the handover points? Uh, How triad-based collaboration happens something that students would go through in profession definitely but it may add value at this stage you know uh, in their student portfolios and um, possibly equip them better for you know what's waiting for them outside
1: uh, the gates wow well, thank you so much for building in that interesting perspective uh, uh, to to our philosophy as well thank you debayan thank you so much for doing this conversation with us Uh, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of learning and, um, you know, a lot of take home from our conversation for our listeners. Thank you so much for doing this with us.
2: Yeah, it's great. I mean, uh, this is is really a great learning for me as well. And uh, great to have this conversation with you. Thank you.
0: Hey there, we hope you enjoyed our show. Do write to us on ads at the rate We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hubhopper or wherever you get your podcast from. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.